Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Um, Our hope is often buried under the heaviness of living in a decaying world. We don't have to look very far to see decay. We see decay in buildings. So, you know, this, this building that we are in next year will be 20 years old. And it it still looks good, but behind the scenes, things are just breaking one by one, because that's what happens when things are are 20 years old. Our bodies are are breaking down, decaying. I mean, we heard from from Scott already, and you know, I'll one-up Scott. I mean, he at least had an excuse for why he was in pain. I mean, there's some mornings I wake up and I'm like, something hurts, and then Sherry's like, what did you do? And I'm like, I I don't know, I have no idea. But I, I also want to one-up Scott because my, my prayer is that I, I don't dream of running on Golden Streets. I dream that our cardiac systems will be so pure and cleansed that we won't need to run um, in eternity. So anyway, we broken buildings, broken bodies, broken relationships. Um, I, like you, have many spheres of relationships, so we have you know, our family that we're closest to, maybe we have extended family, then we have people that we work with, people that we have neighbors with. And it, it feels like, for me, like at any given moment, at least one of those spheres has some kind of issue going on, right? I mean, there's just some conversation that needs to happen or some conflict. It's like they can never be all at peace, all at the same time. Some of the heaviness that we experience is really acute. It just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's kind of like you're walking down the sidewalk and the grand piano falls on your head and you're like, wow, where did that come from? And I can hardly pick myself up. Some of it's acute, but some of it, much of it is chronic. Like it's not the weight of a piano, but it's like, you know, if if you ask somebody, somebody asks you to hold a brick, you know, not so bad for the first 10 minutes, but a couple of hours later, that starts getting really heavy. Days, weeks later, the brick gets really Heavy. If I had the opportunity to sit and sit across from you with coffee right now and ask you, what, what is heaviest on your mind and your heart right now? What, what comes to your mind? Some of us get so exhausted with that heaviness that we carry that we're just desperate to escape. An escape can look like different things. It can, it can look like as simple as leaving your house. Maybe you get in an argument with somebody and you're just like, mm, man, gotta, gotta get out of here, go for a drive. Be careful with that, okay? Driving while angry, be careful. But sometimes we just gotta get away. Sometimes we self-medicate. We're just like, I gotta just try to escape mentally from, from the world. And, and then sometimes the heaviness is so difficult that we just want a permanent escape. 
And the, the statistics on suicide are so sobering. We, we showed this last fall when we were talking about King Saul and his suicide, but the, the green blocks, this is uh, just ranking the leading causes of death by age groups, and the green blocks there are suicide. And this is absolutely mind-blowing for our, our young people when we think about this. Um, 10 to 14, it's the second, suicide is the second leading cause of death after unintentional injury. For 15 to 24, it's the third leading after homicide, which is another tragedy in itself, which is another story for another day. 25 to 34, it goes back up to second leading cause. That people are so hopeless that they think they have to get away and that's the only way they can see to get away. I heard someone describe suicide recently as a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And what I, what I wanna remind us of this morning is that all of our problems are temporary. So whatever heaviness is weighing on you right now, not to minimize it at all, but we, we need to be reminded that it is temporary. And God is actually gonna remind us of that this, this morning. This is, this is not just positive self-talk, but this is talking over and above how you feel. What, what God says overshadows how you feel. So, so God is gonna remind us, he's gonna point us this morning to a future that we can actually look forward to. Okay, your, your future and mine, if we are in Christ, if we have a relationship with Christ, your future and mine is not more of the same, and it's not, oh, it's gonna get worse, but it is gonna be infinitely better. And, and here's the amazing thing, God gives us resources, support to help us each day while we wait for things to get better. We're gonna talk about all of that this morning. If you would take a Bible and turn to Romans chapter eight. If you don't have a Bible with you, please, please turn to Romans eight. Use one of those Bibles near you on page 1045. If you, if you happen to be new with us uh, today, then you, you picked a great time to, to come because this chapter, Romans chapter eight, many hold to be like the, the greatest chapter in all of, of scripture. So I just need to tell you, if you are new, that you, you will get best results if you have all of the background leading up to Romans eight as well. So I encourage you to read back, go back to Romans one through seven, get all of that that's building up towards chapter eight, and at least, at least, read all of, of chapter eight. What we're gonna talk about today is first, the reason we have for hope in a decaying world, and then we're gonna explore three ways that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, supports us as we wait for that future to come. Starting in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
Okay, a lot of mentions of hope here. Let's unpack this just a little bit in the time that we have. Verse 18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time, so the, the heaviness that you are experiencing right now, what, whatever that hardship is right now, the sufferings of this present time, he says, are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That's a, that's a huge Statement. I mean, he, Paul is saying that the ultimate glory that we look forward to is so amazing, so magnificent, that the hardships that we encounter now are negligible in, in comparison. I mean, that's, that's some serious glory waiting for us because some of you are going through some serious hardships. Please don't read this as minimizing your circumstances. Okay, that is not what I'm talking about. I discourage you from minimizing your circumstances. So don't compare yourself to somebody else and say, oh, you know, this is bothering me, but somebody else has got it much worse. Don't do the, oh, you know, we don't even know what suffering is. I heard that this week. I heard somebody had that question because like, suffering came up last week at the end. And someone was like, we, we don't even really suffer, you know, in our country when we compare it to other. That's, that, let, me, let me share a story with you because I had lunch with someone this week and he said something really interesting. Uh, this, this guy was telling me about an American who went to visit Haiti and was talking with a pastor there and so this American man said to the pastor, he said, it must be so difficult to minister here. I feel bad for you and all that you have to face. I can't imagine. Listen to the response from the Haitian pastor. I thought this was fascinating. He said, I appreciate what you're saying, but I feel bad for you. In Haiti, my God is big because we face so much. I have to depend on him daily. In America, your God is small because you can depend on yourselves. See, sometimes we, we, we get so absorbed in our material world and our material blessings that we're like, wow, we have it so good. And we do. I mean, I, I really appreciate having a lot of material things, but sometimes we don't realize how spiritually impoverished we are because we don't recognize our need for the Lord. And there are people in other parts of the world who are materially impoverished, who have a relationship with God and a spiritual vibrancy that we can only dream about. So, so all of that to say, don't, don't minimize. This is not about minimizing your current circumstances to make yourself feel better. This is about maximizing what God has in store for us, what we have to look forward to. So imagine that your heaviness right now is a financial debt. And you're thinking like, I have no idea how this is ever going to get paid off. I'm going to be under this weight, under this rock for the rest of my life. So you, you're, you're under that weight and under that rock, and then you get a letter in the mail from the IRS. And the IRS says, we have made a mistake, and we're going to refund all the tax money that you've ever paid. Actually, it's even better than that, even better, if we're gonna imagine things, right? So they, not that they made a mistake, but that they say, we, we are recognizing that we waste so much money, it would be better in your hands, and so we're gonna return it to you. We're using our imagination here. So if you knew that, if you're under this weight of financial obligation and you know this check is coming, 
that's gonna change the way you live. Because if you're under that weight, you might be thinking, man, I gotta eat you know, rice and beans to, to survive. And you're like, no, wait, the check's coming. So we live our lives differently. We live our present in light of our future. That's what Paul is telling us. Live your present in light of your future. We, we always have the choice to focus on our present reality or our future reality. And Paul says the future is infinitely better because of God's plan for us and his grace toward us. That's our future that we have to look forward to. But our present, our present is difficult. He describes that, verse 19. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, for creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Okay, let's pause there for a second. Who subjected the creation to futility? God did, okay? The devil doesn't have that much power. God subjected creation to futility when he placed a curse because of sin. And so let's rewind very briefly to, to Genesis chapter three. God gives the first man, the first woman, the first command. He says, you have all, yeah, freedom to eat from all the trees, but this one you must not eat from. And if you do, he, God gave them the consequence very clearly up front. So God is just, he's holy, he's loving. He didn't withhold the consequence and spring it on them afterwards. He said it very clearly up front. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. The Hebrew says, dying, you will die. It is going to happen. So he told them that all up front. They rebelled and they disobeyed anyway. So God said, this is your choice. This is now your consequence. He cursed the serpent. He cursed the woman to have pain in childbirth. He cursed the, the man to have difficulty in his work. He said that the creation now will be decaying around you and everything you have to do will be harder than it used to be. God subjected creation to futility and decay, but he subjected it, verse 20 says, in hope. Verse 21, that the creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption. That word corruption can also be translated as decay. That's why I keep talking about decay. It's bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Verse 22, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So Paul says that the curse on the woman of experiencing pain in childbirth is now extrapolated to all of creation. All of creation is experiencing the pain of childbirth as we wait for something new to come. And again, okay, because it's Father's Day, I'm gonna pause here and just say something to, to dads, okay? Most, most of you who are dads in these generations, you get the opportunity to be with your wife in that childbirth room. And so I just wanna say to you as dads, I just, that's not easy, okay? It's not easy for you as a dad to stand there and watch your wife suffer, okay? I feel you, okay? Like your wife is screaming and all of that. I mean, we always focus on the mom and how hard that is, dads. It's, it's hard for you too. 
All right, anyway, that was my moment for Father's Day. Um, but moms, I mean, seriously, moms have the pain. Moms endure the pain, but, but the outcome, the outcome will overshadow the pain. Jesus talks about this in John 16. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come, but when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Creation is groaning in childbirth. It's difficult, it's hard, it's painful. But someday, one day, we're gonna forget about all that pain. One day, we're gonna see the new creation and we have so much to look forward to. He's calling us to an eternal perspective. Think about when you're driving. Think about how important it is to focus ahead. Focus on the road ahead. See, we have the choice when we're driving. We could just, we could just drive staring at the rearview mirror. That's what some of us do, is we just live in the past. We're like constantly looking and rehearsing what's past. That, that doesn't go well if you're driving down the road and you're just staring at the rearview mirror. Some of us stare at what's present and right in front of us, so you're looking at your dashboard and you're looking at the map of where it is that you're going, and so you're staring at that. That's not gonna play out very well either. Your, your driving is only gonna go well if you're looking at the road ahead and you're looking towards your destination. We glance in the rearview mirror, get perspective from the past. We, we glance at the dashboard so that we can keep a bead on where we're at and be going in the right direction, but, but we need to be focused ahead. We live our present in light of our future. Some of you, I'm sure, are listening to this and are under such heaviness right now that you're listening to that and thinking, okay, that's, that sounds fine and good to be looking to, to my future, but I'm struggling just to get through today. God also gives us, not just hope pointing to the future, but God gives us support in real time through three ministries of the Holy Spirit. And so we're gonna talk about these um, one at a time, the presence of the Spirit, the prayers of the Spirit, and the purpose of the Spirit. Okay, first, the presence of the Spirit in verse 23. Not only the creation is groaning, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. There's a little phrase in there that's easy to miss and read past. We, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. So a couple of weeks ago, we saw in verse nine that if we are in Christ, if we have a connection to Christ, if we have come to Christ and said, Jesus, I need you to make me right with God. If we are in Christ, we have the Spirit. Verse nine says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. And so in the, the converse of that is that anyone who belongs to Christ has the spirit. And so now Paul is telling us that the spirit is the first fruits, 
It's, it's, he is good to have with us, but he's just, he's a first fruits of what, there's much more to come. So I think of this kind of like a flower that is in the process of opening. I mean, we see that, we see there's some color, we can start to enjoy that, but we know that there is much more to come. There, there is a now part of enjoyment, and then there's a not yet. And so we, we see that in this idea of adoption. I mean, if, if you remember um, last week, and actually Jim referenced this in, in his prayer, he talked about the fact in verse 15, it says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Now today we read in verse 23, we are groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption of sons. Which is it? Do we have the adoption of sons or are we waiting for the adoption of sons? It's both. It's a, it's a now and it's a not yet. And so we get to enjoy what we have now. We, we get to enjoy the spirit who is living with us now. And that is Again, referencing back earlier in chapter eight here, we're talking about learning to walk with the Spirit. Learning what it's like to live each day, each moment with the Spirit's presence with us. So, so what does that look like? That looks like when you are feeling lonely, when you are feeling abandoned, to recall and rehearse and celebrate the truth that the Spirit is with me. I have the Spirit of God living in me, so I'm not alone. When you are confused and you're, you're driving down your road and you're like, I think I took a wrong turn. I, I don't know which way to go. I've got this situation I, I don't know what to do with. You, you remember, oh, I've got the Spirit I can turn to and ask for wisdom. Teach me. Lead me. The Spirit wants to lead us. The Spirit doesn't want to control us and micromanage us, but He does want us to follow Him. Or when you are grieving, when you're grieving the loss of a person or a job or a situation, there's so much to grieve in this decaying world. To remember, the Spirit is my comforter. The Spirit, I may have people around me, hopefully you have people around you to minister to you as well, but the Spirit is always with me and he is my ultimate comforter, my teacher. It is, it is okay for you to ask the Father to, to make the Spirit's presence more real to you. Maybe, maybe you're not jiving with any of what I'm talking about here today, and you're like, this sounds like a foreign language, I've never experienced the Spirit walking with me. It's okay to ask the Father, would you, would you help make this real to me? Because I'm, I'm in a decaying world, it's difficult. I need the comfort, the presence of the Spirit. See, this is, this is, stepping back, big picture for Romans, this is the transition from a performance-oriented life to a person-oriented life. See, we, this is why Paul spent so much time talking about how our performance does not bring us into relationship with God because our performance is hopelessly imperfect. So he says, set that all aside and pursue 
relationship with a person. See, where we should be heading in our in our spiritual maturing process is to be so tuned in to what the Spirit is speaking to us that we're asking him what he wants us to do instead of following a rule that is written down. Now, we're so bad at understanding the Spirit's voice and being tuned into him that we need the rules that are written down for us to inform so that we know if the voice that we're hearing is from the Spirit or from somewhere else. But ultimately, we're, we're going beyond these rules and we're, we're saying, Holy Spirit, what do you have for me personally in this moment? And what he says to you will always be consistent. It will never contradict anything that we see in writing. So what God says to you today will never contradict what he has already said and written down. But we wanna grow in our understanding and grow in our relationship with the Spirit That's what he wants for us. And so, Paul says in verse 25, we're hoping, we're looking forward to this future to come, but we've got the Spirit now in his presence, and so we can wait for what is to come with patience. I love the idea of waiting with patience. There's three words I like to associate with waiting, that we can wait patiently and expectantly and confidently. So we wait patiently, knowing that God's timing is more wise and more perfect than ours is. But we wait expectantly, knowing that good things are coming. God has good things promised for us. And then we wait confidently, knowing that if God said it, it's going to happen. The first support that God gives us is the presence of the Spirit. The second is the prayers of the Spirit, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Our prayers so often are, are so pitiful. And I don't say that to be critical. I'm, I'm right in there with you. But so often our prayers are so short-sighted, so self-centered. We can even turn our prayers into a performance. I mean, I don't know if any of the rest of you are like this, but for, for me, like I, sometimes I just feel like, okay, I've got I've to pray for this person and I've got to cover all of this and, oh, I didn't pray very long for that and maybe that's why this thing went wrong and it all just becomes this performance and it's like, and it just goes to show that every good thing that God gives to us, we in our darkened, fallen hearts, we're able to twist everything. Everything is twistable, which is why we need the Spirit so much. So, so many times our prayers are weak and pitiful and ineffective. Here's what God says about that. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us, and he intercedes according to the will of God. So sometimes it's good to just pause your performance and to just be still and just let the Spirit speak on your behalf. Let the Spirit pray for you. 
The, the Greek word here for, for intercedes is the idea of, of asking for something with urgency and intensity. So this is not just a casual request. This is the spirit interceding urgently. He's pleading. He's begging on your behalf. I don't know if you've ever had a, a person intercede for you at that level. Like they're, they're like on their knees, like pleading with God for something. If, you, if you've ever had a sick child or you've had, you know, just an intense situation like that, you're interceding. This is what the Spirit does for us. This is how much he loves us and how intent he is on ministering to us. And the amazing thing is that as we read further in chapter eight, Romans eight, we see that Jesus is interceding for us as well. If you look down at verse 34, and I don't wanna steal too much thunder from next week, but just have to reference this. So verse 34 says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So we have Jesus the Son and the Holy Spirit interceding on our behalf. And I love verse 34 because it says, who is to condemn? Remember the beginning of chapter eight said that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So who is gonna come and condemn you? It's not Jesus. Jesus is not condemning you. Jesus is not the prosecuting attorney in the case of your life. Jesus is there interceding and pleading on your behalf and so is the Holy Spirit, Romans 8, it's just so awesome. All right, the first, first support that God gives us in the brokenness and the decay of today is the presence of the Spirit. The second is the prayers of the Spirit, and the third is the purpose of the Spirit. Romans 8, 28, many of you are very familiar with this verse. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. So this is one of the most famous coffee cup verses. We slap it on a coffee cup and we often misunderstand what it is talking about completely because we often misinterpret good that God, that all things are working together for good. We interpret that by our definition of good. And, and for most of us, I, I don't think I'm just speaking for me, I think I'm speaking for most of us, good means comfortable. I mean, God is working things out so that things are gonna work out. I mean, things are gonna be better. Things are gonna, you know, they're just gonna improve by our estimation. And so we turn to this verse for comfort, but actually, the next verse defines for us what God means as good. So verse 29 for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's primary purpose for you and for me is not our comfort, but our conformity to the image of Christ. Okay, I'm gonna say that again because you're probably not gonna see that on a coffee cup near you anytime soon. Okay, God's primary purpose for you and me is not our comfort. He does comfort us, okay? The Spirit is our comforter, so it's not that that's not on his mind, but that's not his primary purpose for us. His primary purpose is not comfort, but conformity. 
to the image of Christ. So God wants our character, our conduct, our thoughts, our desires to be molded and shaped to look more like Jesus. He wants us in the image of Christ. And that's not just, let me be really clear here, that's not just our behavior. It's not just about making us toe the line more and so that we're like more virtuous people. It is also that we would be in the image of Christ Jesus who had the perfect relationship with his heavenly father. This is about conforming us to understand how we, are, we can have constant access to the father just like Jesus did, that our prayer life, that our understanding of the father's will for us is, is just like what, what Jesus had, an uninterrupted connection with his father. God is able to sovereignly work all the events and circumstances of your life towards that good end of making you look more like Jesus. And so he uses even our suffering, maybe especially our suffering to accomplish that. Maybe you're like me and you can look back at the events of your life and, and you see some of those moments when you were at your lowest point things that happen where the, the grand piano dropped on your head and you're like, wow, I, what do I do now? Things, events, things that you would never choose and would never wanna go through again, but you look back to those and you say, I learned more about God through that incident than I, than I did through all the times of comfort and ease. Romans 8, 28. I, I need to get nerdy for just a moment if you don't mind, and I'm saying just a moment because I'm not nerdy most of the time. Um, really, my, I'm saying that because one of my children's in here. Okay, so I, I wanna diagram Romans 8.28 for you in, in English. Okay, this is gonna be traumatic for some of you. Back to English class, if this is trauma for you, then just tune out and I'll get you back here in just a couple of minutes. But there are two ways that the, the word all things is one word in, in the Greek, and it can be in the subjective case, the nominative case, or it can be a direct object. And so the ESV and most English translations translate all things to be the subject of, of work together. And that, so that's what we see there in, in the red, that all things work together for good to those who love God. But if we translate all things as the direct object of the sentence, then we have what we have in green, which is that God or the Holy Spirit is working together all things for good to those who love God. To those who love God is the indirect object there. So F.F. Bruce takes, he, he votes for the, the green version here and the direct object, and this, it's translated this way in the New English Bible, which says, God who, this is verse 27, God who searches our inmost being knows what the Spirit means because the Spirit pleads for God's own people in God's own way. And in everything, as we know, he, the Spirit, cooperates for good with those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I love this way of looking at this verse because then suddenly the Spirit's work in us becomes intensely more 
personal. Like if it's all things work together, then we're kind of personifying all things and we're kind of giving them the credit like somehow they just kind of all work themselves out for good. But, but I don't think that's what it's saying at all. I think it's saying that God in his intentionality through his spirit working in you is seeing every event and every circumstance of your life as an opportunity. He is actively working those things and orchestrating those things for the purpose of making you more like Jesus. All right, if I lost you on the diagram, come back, okay? All right, tune back in. Okay, we got a little bit more to do here. All right, so here is the support that we receive from God in the midst of a heavy and decaying world. The Holy Spirit is, is present with us. His presence is always with us. He is always praying for us. And he has a purpose that he is working out in our lives actively. That is all the support that we need to bring us to the ultimate glory and destiny that he has for us, which we see in verse 29 and 30. For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he, also, those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. All right, I, I imagine that some of you have been very anxious to get to verse 29 and talk about foreknow and predestine. But oh, look at the time. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're gonna save that. No, seriously, we, Paul, Paul is gonna talk much more about this as we go into season three of Romans and we look at chapters nine through 11. He's gonna begin to unpack the mysteries of foreknowledge and predestination. We will talk more about that later. And, and here's the other important reason why we're not camping on that today, besides the time, and I know you guys got plans for the day. It's because it's not the main point of this passage. Um, and so please don't get hung up on words and concepts that are not the main point of the author Okay, the author's clear, I mean, Paul's clear main point today is the focus of the Spirit to support us in living our lives and making it to that ultimate glory that God has provided for us. That's the main point. That's what he wants us to get. That's why we spent all of our time there this morning. Most of you are carrying some kind of heavy burden today. Can I just remind you, Live your present in light of your future. As you are driving your car on the road of life, okay, don't, don't stare at the rearview mirror. Don't, don't stare at the maps and the, the dashboard. You need to keep your eyes up. Be focused on the future, the destination. And as you're driving, humbly receive the ministry of the Spirit to you his presence, his prayers, and his purpose. So, so which of those, as you think back to my question at the beginning of the message when I said, what, what is heaviest on your mind and your heart right now? Which ministry of the Spirit speaks directly to that heaviness in your life right now? Because it, it's available to you to tap into. Is it, is it his presence? Is it just knowing that I'm not facing life 
alone and that he's constantly with me? Is it his prayers? Is it, is it knowing that when you are in such pain that you don't even have words to say that you can rest and say, Spirit, I'm trusting you to pray for me in the, the way that you know I need to be prayed for? Or is it his purpose? Is it, is it grabbing hold of knowing that all of the, the pain and the difficulties that you're going through right now, there is meaning behind those, that the Spirit is weaving a tapestry that you can only see the backside of right now, but he's weaving a beautiful picture, and part of that beautiful picture is that he's refining your character and your life to look more like Jesus. Hold on to hope and walk with the Spirit, and one day, one day, the glory is gonna blow us all away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your ministry to us. We thank you for laying out a future full of hope where you're gonna restore this creation that you created perfect but that you've subjected to decay, you're gonna do away with all of that decay and you're gonna show us what it was like in the beginning and I suspect it'll be even better than, than what you did in the beginning. And so we look forward to that day, but Lord, you know that the waiting in between is difficult, the now is difficult as we wait for the not yet. And so thank you for leaving us your spirit. And Lord, my burden for every person that is listening to this, is that they, they fully experience what you have for them, that they don't miss out on what you've provided through your spirit's personal presence and prayers and purpose in our lives. Lord, would you open our minds and our hearts to, to live just saturated and, and loving the truths of Romans 8 because you've, you've given that to us to experience real life. Lord, I pray for the person who's here this morning who hasn't yet experienced justification. They're not in the process of sanctification and being made new because they haven't come to the point of recognizing that they need a savior, that they need Jesus who offers them the gift of being made right with God. That is a gift and not something that we earn. Lord, for that person this morning, would you bring them, open their spiritual eyes and ears so that they understand their need. Bring them across that threshold and may they begin this process of becoming more like you. May we all continue in that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.